Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hey. My buddy Scott Jones is here. You know what happened this week, Victor Lucas? Yes. Uh, it was Halloween. Did you get a lot of visitors down here in the basement? Uh, I did get some visitors. It was a very soggy and miserable Halloween in Vancouver, though. So uh, my heart goes out to all families <laughs> that had little kids that got super drenched in their costumes. Let me tell you what is awesome. When yeah. it is a rainy Halloween, everybody comes to the office the next day with all kinds of leftover candy. You enjoying your Reese's Peanut Butter Guess Cups? Guess who had about 22 Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Those are the, I, I don't even eat sugar, but if I did, those would be the first things I eat. I am so jacked up right now. Enzo Zanata just came into the kitchen. He saw me eating another peanut butter cup and he said, dude, you just ate about Ten of those. That sounds just like him. It's uncanny. No, it's more like Stallone. Why did he have to die and <laughs> we get to live? And uh, it's kind of... Oh, Sly. Yeah. We love Ex- Sly. Expendables 3. Yes. Someday soon. Hey, something massive happened this week, and did, I know it really impacted your world. Did you take a poop? Well, every morning. That's what you have to do. Why does it always go straight <laughs> to poop? I have to get it out of the way, okay. and now we can proceed with it, the adult talk. Well, right? you talking about poop is like a verbal bowel movement, all so right. very nice. Good okay. work. All right. All right. Well, so go ahead. Uh, what happened? I don't poop know. out of the way. Yes. Um, so we, uh, yeah, a, a massive thing happened in nerd culture. Uh, a little um, company you might have heard of called Lucasfilm. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not an owner of that. Um, was sold to Disney. What? George Lucas decided that... Oh, uh, when did this happen? He pulled the, uh, the handle on the jack uh, on the uh, slot machine, and uh, he came away a $4 billion winner. Yeah, it is kind of like a loaded slot machine. That's a great metaphor, because mm-hmm. he could have pulled that handle at any time and walked away with, with $4 billion. It does, $4 billion, does it sound like enough money? Uh, you know, when you add up all of the revenue that each of the films makes as a licensing juggernaut, probably not. Uh, but I would probably hazard to guess that the terms of the deal mean that Lucas and his family and, and other caregivers along the way are all the sort wheel of is greased. embedded yes. in future profits. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the deal I would strike if I owned all of those properties. But how do you feel about them? I have my own feelings and I'll, I'm going to share those. But I want to I know think I feel. know what your feelings yeah. are. Yeah. And uh, I think you probably know what my feelings are. You uh, uh, Complete apathy. Well, I, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's a balloon that doesn't quite have enough air in it. I just I just don't I haven't really cared about Star Wars in a long time. My heart is still broken over episode one. I went to the movie theater so many times and kept trying to see something good in these movies. Yeah. I watched episode two, watched episode three, which we've argued about before. Episode I don't want to get into the, I don't want to get into the merits. Of no, because episode three is good. And we know that <laughs> it's, 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 it's not pretty good. Pretty good uh, movie. But I, I'm just not sh- You know, I think what a lot of nerds are hoping for is that some of the old Star Wars magic will somehow come back and that it will live again and that it will roam the earth and, you know, and be its glorious self again. And I, and I just realized, you know, last week or this week earlier on the show, we dressed up as the Star Wars characters. And that's my attachment to Star Wars are those original sure, films. Sure, and that's sure. all it's ever going to be. I don't care about the Clone Wars cartoon. I don't right. care about any future movies. Right. I don't care about episode 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I don't care. Well, you, you mentioned a, you had a really nice... <clears throat> Uh, thought in that uh, statement right there and, and you mentioned the magic of Star Wars and it, about it never coming back and I don't think it's ever gone I think the magic of Star oh, Wars has always been around and You're it's going to give me a stroke no it's been a permanent part of popular culture and I think so many creators have tried to it even, is in the rear view well it's a permanent part 
But I it's mean, there it's, in the, it's, it's history, something that new, you know parents with new kids show. But it's behind us. It's not in front of us. Uh, nothing that has been created since that original trilogy has left that asteroid-like impact that that nice metaphor. those first three films did for yes. sure. But. Uh, it's still valuable content. There's still lots of richness. We've loved lots of Star Wars games along the way. There's really cool Star Wars um, yeah, car, uh, uh, comic books and novels and, and collectibles. It's a very rich universe. And when you look at all of the other fictional media sort of in the science fiction realm, nobody has been able to crack that nut like the Star Wars uh, you know, caregivers have been able to do. And so we, you know, we see something massive with this thing. Uh, being transitioned over to Disney. And, you know, like we were taking a look at all of this James Bond stuff in preparation for next week. Yes. It is the only film franchise that's been around for 50 years in the history of the medium. And I think now with Disney at the at the reins of the Star Wars franchise, there might be a contender for that. There I, might I, be more. And we may win some of the uh, skeptics back with the new content. Do I think that they could create some interesting Star Wars movies or some interesting Star Wars properties going forward? Yes, I think that's possible. Yeah. Will I ever care as much as I originally did? I don't think that's possible anymore. I might go and I might be entertained, but these movies certainly will not have the gravity and they will not occupy the place in my heart that uh, that they did once it's just it's not possible anymore yeah well i i think uh we've been burned right i think that yeah that's, we've been burned that's and a I, common and i'm still fucking pissed that's a common thought with a lot yeah. of people out there for yeah. sure but i you know i think that there's still so much love and so much potential so lame now jedis no man like the clone lame. wars is cool it's, lame. it's a cool it's cool weak. animated series and kids love episode one through three like lucas engineered you know we're not that generation so it doesn't mean yeah. as much as it used to, but who knows where they go with all this stuff. If they throw, you know, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher into oh, the Jesus. into seven, get more at pathetic. least seven. Oh, please. Come on. No, this is Come terrible. on. You don't want to see old people no, on screen? No, no more. <laughs> is that what it is? Are you, an, no. are you ageist? I am an ageist. Old people should stay at home with the blankets over their heads eating soup. And are you saying that franchises can't move from one um, sort of caregiver or the creator to another studio? I, 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 they can, of course. Of course that can happen. We, yeah. We've seen it with Bond. Look at the, look at the Martin Campbell, uh, Daniel Craig, uh, you you know, look at the rebirth, the Casino Royale. It can right. happen. It's right. possible. Yeah. It made me care about Bond again yep. uh, for more than I ever cared about it in my life, though. But that's a different trajectory because I didn't really care about Bond all that much until Casino Royale. Okay. I'm just saying I loved Star Wars. I just I just loved it as much as I can fucking love anything. I, I poured. So, you know, I used to draw my own coloring books filled with Chewbacca's and filled with Ewoks and filled all Dude, kinds I, of stuff. I will make you this I'm bet. I'm crazy. I will make you this bet. I think that we're going to have a Batman you Begins. You never come through on your sla- I always do. You never You do. got the pizza and the hundred bucks. You never gave me the pizza. It, where's my hundred bucks? I, you never gave me the hundred bucks. Maybe they canceled each other I don't out. even remember what the terms of the bet Fuck were. Fuck this. Let's bet totally from scratch right, right here. I'm, bet, bet, I'm betting you we are going to get a Batman Begins slash Casino Royale quality Star Wars reinvention under the Disney regime it's in be 2015. Star Wars characters that are brooding? Maybe. It might be very dark. <laughs> Jeez, I can't wait. Sound, hey, of, l- sound of a handshake. Listen, oh, great. Sound of oh, a handshake. Okay. There is. I think someone's at the basement door. Yes. I think it might be that uh, skunk might be back. Well, let me go check. Let's let him in. I got an old can I'll throw at it. Holy shit, it's Josh Holmes! That's not a skunk! 
That's no skunk, man. No, Look, it's Josh Holmes. He Josh, by. thank you so much for joining us, oh Josh. Guys. God. Holmes is the creative director of the biggest game of the year, Halo 4, and it's not even out yet. It comes out next week. You've, you're pre-launch, you've taken time out of your schedule to come and join us in this stinky basement. Yeah, I have, but I mean, this is my hometown, so I had to come up here. That is awesome. So you uh, uprooted from Vancouver. You used to run propaganda. You used yep. to work at EA. Uh, you've got a long career in video games, and uh, Microsoft courted you to run 343's creative direction on Halo 4. Yeah, you know what they did? They wrote a number down on a napkin. Uh, they did. They folded it, it across the table. They're like, there you Added go. Added some extra zeros. Yeah. And you're just like. that's how Americans yes. roll. That's right. And I know we like drama. How do you like living in the States? Let's start with I, that. You know, I, I like it a lot. Um, I'm lucky that it's just a couple hours from here. Yeah. It feels very similar culturally. People are, you know, on the same wavelength. And we have a remarkable number of Canadians in our studio. We, Is that uh, you're doing? Uh, some of it's my doing, but there were actually a lot of Canadians in there to begin with, like uh, Kenneth Scott, our art director. He's uh, he's originally from, I think, Edmonton, right. and uh, and his wife, Corinne, and just a, a whole host of uh, of different people that came from across the industry, but many, many Canadians. At well, one point, we were awesome. almost 50%. Why do Canadians make the best video games? What is it about you Canadian people that makes you awesome game makers? That's nice that, that it's coming from an American I'm that's American. saying that, so it's a legit question. It's our thumbs. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It starts with the thumbs. It's all the beaver killing thumbs. we do. You kill yeah. beaver, <laughs> beaver killing that's thumbs. Right. It, it goes all the way you back to, to yeah. skinning beavers. Because yeah. <laughs> beaver could mean something else. It could mean something else. We could yeah. go there. We could go there. So. Uh, does that mean then that Halo 4 could potentially be in consideration for the Canadian Video Game Awards next year? I was there, was I there enough? Even, that, I have no idea what the criteria is yeah. for no, that. To I be think honest. it needs to be made on Canadian soil. It's true. Yeah, I'm so okay. unfortunate. You guys are close, but no cigar. Why wouldn't uh, Microsoft want to do that? I mean, you have so many Canadians. Why wouldn't they just want to set up the studio right up in, in Vancouver? Yeah, that's a good Is it a tax credit Get Microsoft or? on the phone. I think, I think Microsoft... They being, want to keep their baby yeah, next to the crib. based in yeah. Seattle uh, slash Redmond, yeah. I think it's just wanting to be close to the mothership. So this this was a massive move. I mean, you were running one of the biggest studios in Vancouver. You were a Disney no employee. No pressure. And no uh, pressure you worked there. on Tron, worked on Pirates of the Caribbean. No I didn't work on, on Tron. Well, I didn't you, work on Tron. You, you were, um, yeah, no. Tron's after my days. Oh, was I, it after yeah, raising I, yeah. I, le I left in, uh, in 2008 okay. uh, after three hard-fought years yeah, uh, yeah. at Propaganda, yeah. So, first of all, why did you leave? Why did you decide uh, that it was time I to mean, go? I mean, so when I, when I actually joined Disney, you know, we, we set up the studio, independent studio, we, we decided to join Disney, become acquired. At that time, Disney really wanted to establish what they called kind of the mirror max of gaming, yeah. their mature gaming line. And, and so we were really interested in that. We thought, you know, we're going to have a lot of opportunity to kind of be independent, express ourselves, um, and, and kind of stretch ourselves creatively. Over the course of time, strategically things shifted, and for all the right reasons, they decided that it made more sense to kind of double down on the Disney brand and pull back from uh, their maturated ambitions. And unfortunately, that was right in the middle of creating a first-person shooter. So Turn you can imagine... Right. Yeah. That there, there, that that was a tough process, especially you know for the team who had all assembled um, with that in mind. So, uh, at the end of that project, it was just clear, you know, creative differences. So. Yeah, 
And so you made the call that no, this was not the direction I wanted to go in. I'm, I'm. What did you did you take a job with Microsoft right away, or what did you do? I took, after? Some, I, I took a little time off uh, yeah. because it had been uh, a long period of time. But yeah, I took I took the the role at three four three. I think I started in in March, but I, I started talking to them in uh, November or October of twenty eleven or two thousand eight. 2008. Wow. Yeah, I okay. started in, in uh, early 2009, so I think it was March. It has been a, a, a couple of years on this game. It has. Yeah. Yeah, it's been. This has been a long time coming, and the way that you know the PR people have been talking about the way you watch these ads on TV, it does feel like a coming, a second coming, a third. It feels like yeah. a moment in pop culture. Totally. How do you, as the creative director on this game, how do you put that on your shoulders? How do you, how do, you do this? Where do you even begin with a project like this? I, I I don't even know to be honest. Yeah. Like I, I think it's just you you have a bunch of people at the studio. When I came in, it was like thirty people, and we were all still assembling the team, bringing people together based on a love of Halo and and kind of uh, a desire to take on that challenge of can we take the mantle from Bungie and all the amazing things that they've managed to accomplish, and kind of step up to the plate. And um, so for me, it was just trying to set a clear vision trying to uh, shepherd the team to achieve that vision and, and really take great ideas from, from our team of, of amazing, talented, veteran people from across the, the industry and try to figure out, okay, which of these ideas fit, fit the vision, fit the mold, you know, within that framework. So um, awesome. that's kind of, that's the role. It's more than a game at this point. Like oh, it's yeah. crossed all kinds of boundaries. And yeah, know, the forward onto Dawn series is incredible. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about this sort of the machine of getting Halo off the ground for sure. But I want from the, your perspective, because we did sort of allude to this just before you came and joined us, uh, of Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. You're a former Disney employee. Yep. So how does that make you feel? And also the idea that now the creative control from Lucasfilm is kind of moving to a, you know, a different bunch of stakeholders, very similar to what has happened with Halo with you know Bungie relinquishing it to 343. So you've got a couple of points of, uh, of uh, perspective there. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's some, some differences between the Halo situation and the Lucas situation yeah. in that you, you, know, you kind of always had the same, um, you had the consistency of Microsoft was always the umbrella under which Halo right. was developed and released. Um, and so that at least was consistent. I think with Star Wars, we were just kind of talking about this earlier at, at some point about how um, you know Star Wars uh, is so important to to so many of us that grew up in the '70s. And I, I'm a total Star Wars kid, and so I'm. You know, we're, I'm, we're all here probably because of Star Wars, yeah. right? Like we're sitting right now in front of microphones oh, no. talking because that movie came out. In a lot of ways, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's such an inspiration um, to me in, in in my creative life and. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful to be honest. Like I look at what Disney's managed to do with Marvel. When mm-hmm. when they took over Marvel, I was very skeptical. I was like, okay, will they allow Marvel to to kind of maintain I don't know maintain itself and 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 not become kind of twisted or tainted um, so that they can stamp more stuff on lunch boxes. You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. The the movies that have come out since the acquisition of Marvel have been, in my opinion, just like fantastic. I think Marvel is is better than ever under Disney. And Star Wars, I'm not a fan of the most recent trilogy. And so for me, this is kind of a hope that we can get back to something like, you know, 
can can we kind of have that that Batman Begins moment for Star Wars? And yeah. and uh, I believe I believe we can. It just depends on whether they can get the right talent assembled. I don't know if it'll ever be the same. I don't know if it'll ever be that. I mean, I'm not whatever I was seven years old anymore, right? Yeah. So it's not going to make that same impression. But maybe for the next generation of Star Wars fans, uh, it can be something special. Well, like I that. think it's indicative, uh, even when you look at the sequel to Tron, which not everybody <laughs> loves, but it was certainly done in an attempt to uh, appeal to an established fan base and to keep up with contemporary kind of sci-fi and have its own distinctive look and, and have a maturity about the, the storytelling. Didn't really hit all of the points that we wanted to. So, so the funny thing about Tron is everybody kind of, it, there's, there's a lot of criticism of, of the, the reboot and the remake of Tron, yeah. all of which is extremely valid. Mm -hmm. But I encourage anybody who holds the original in like this high regard and reverence, go back and watch it. Like yeah. it's really not that good. Yeah. It's, it's really a pretty, Pretty terrible. It's a busted uh, up movie for movie sure. That with, looked cool. So, with, that looked amazing and had some incredible ideas and some incredible, um, you know, kind of very forward thinking uh, concepts in terms of the visuals. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it was Shakespeare. It was know? not Star Wars. No, it was no Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I actually, the thing about Tron 2 is, uh, Tron Legacy, is that it actually holds up to just being like on our home entertainment systems because it's just so good looking you know it's a it's a really really sharp that's not enough for it's not enough can't just look good i know but in in uh, in you know the blu-ray age it's got the daft punk soundtrack it was pretty that's cool that's not enough what happened music video. were you on the game at all or was no, it totally gone that was after i'd left yeah uh, that they even started on that game so were you sad to see the turn of events with propaganda oh absolutely yeah um you know anytime you kind of pour yourself into building something and in that case building an organization yeah, baby, a studio right? yeah. bringing people together um with great hopes it, it sucks to see that all kind of squandered yeah what are your thoughts on what's going on in the Vancouver video gaming industry right now? I'm, I just don't know. I watch from afar uh, and I have so many friends here and uh, it, it just seems like it's been an apocalypse, you know, <laughs> uh, like yeah. one studio after another shutting down. Um, the great news is I think that there's a lot more independent development that's going on. I think that there's you're never going to be able to take the talent out of the people that are here. And, yeah. and so they're going to continue to produce amazing stuff, but it's, it's sad to see what was once one of the, the biggest centers of, of development excellence around the world for the games industry kind of erode. And in, in many cases, a lot of people uh, leave the city and go to other places like Montreal and Toronto yeah. and you've and, been on major titles for most of your career. Is yeah. that where your heart sort of you know leans towards or do you ever look on at some of the you know your former teammate teammates that might have started their own indie stuff do you kind of you know one day maybe dream that maybe you'll work on something indie or how do you feel uh, sure i i could totally see that i mean i'm i'm very entrepreneurial in the way that i think about stuff i think that's part of what um got me through my career at ea is i was always trying to get off of the main team and go start up a little side team to go and do something new um, and always wanted to kind of explore avenues that weren't being explored. Um, so yeah, definitely that appeals to me. Um, I, I just, I, I look for anything that's, that's going to give me kind of a voice or a way of expressing myself and whether that's something massive like, like Halo or, or, or something much smaller, there's got to be that sense of 
personal connection to what you're working on. Now, you've been working on Halo and obsessing over Halo for a long time now, since since 2008, really, and probably even maybe a little bit before that. Uh, I mean, how do you focus so closely on one thing for so long and kind of not lose your mind? You know, I mean, you're 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 I mean, this is a universe that's fetishized and people are going to be putting this game under the microscope and you got a lot of people to answer to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so first of all, I want to go back in case anybody reads into what I said before. I have no plans to leave the Halo universe or anything like that. You're just asking me, could I see myself doing some indie? Absolutely. And you're in a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah I'm in a hypothetical world. But on the on the Halo front, it's it's kind of interesting because uh, like when Halo came out, the original Halo, I was a, a designer at EA, and I remember playing the first game. Uh, the night that it came out, and I was working really late overtime, so I didn't put it into my Xbox at work. I was still at work until like 10:30 or something. I thought I'll just play the first level of this game and see how it goes. And it was the next morning when I stopped playing because I finished the game, mm-hmm. and I was just completely and totally in awe of the game. And I immediately, you know, I'm dead tired. I've been working overtime for weeks, and I started playing it again because I was just like, I gotta, I gotta you know, stay in this world. And at that point, I remember saying to myself, one day I want to work on a game like this. Was it the world or the mechanics or a combination of, I mean, what was it that, what was the gravity for you? I think it was a combination of that Star Wars kid inside of me stepping out onto the Halo ring and being like, wow, this is bigger than anything I've ever Might have been the closest to a Star Wars type vibe not not the content but the impact the impact the the sense of wonder yeah. right that it's yeah. like oh my god this this galaxy is is massive it's immense it's you know it, it has all of these secrets just waiting to be unlocked um also you know gotta say one of my favorite movies of all time is aliens mm-hmm. and you cannot deny the, yeah, uh, sure. the influence of yeah. aliens on on the first halo so those things really appealed to me but but on the mechanical side as a as a designer i've always loved like systems driven games games where you can see different systems interacting with one another and that lead to you know kind of the ability to express yourself as a player and create your own fun that that whole sandbox nature of like combine this and this the ai reacts dynamically and you can use all these different tools and so halo for me was just the ultimate expression of that in a shooter so, I mean, how do you, I mean, again, putting in the years that you've put in so far, yeah. you know, how, how do you, like your fetishizing thing, you know, like Master Chi, how, do, how does he walk? How does, how does his armor look? How do, I mean, these are questions you guys have been talking about for years now. Yeah. That's I, I, just, I, I don't know why, but I'm just totally obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I, and it's part of anything that I, that I work on, I throw myself into completely. I have to be able to do that. And my wife will tell anybody that will listen that like it's annoying as hell for her because it just takes over my entire life and my entire being and that's that's all I really think about and so for the last three and a half years I have been 150% consumed by Halo and the Halo universe there's also this flip that's happening and and uh, you know it, it, I like if you saw Indie Game the movie, I'm sure you saw the film, yeah. uh, where one of the developers just said, "I would rather kill myself than work on a Call of Duty." And there's this real sort of work at EA, or yeah, work at EA or whatever. It, it, he, there's this real sense that the the big guys are, are targets, you yeah. know. Like right now, I mean, five years ago, six years ago, it was a different industry, and these were all the things that we loved and aspired to. And AAA was what we all discussed all the time. Now there is more choice, for sure, thanks to the iOS store and Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network and stuff like that. It's easier than ever to, to get, to get something out there. there. Yeah. yeah, but now there also is this, you know, you are like a big moving target. 
And does that pressure come into it as you guys are sitting down to kind of differentiate, differentiate yourself from not only previous Halo games, but the competition and make it worth the asking price because your game is more expensive than a $15, you know, video game? Yeah, I think you want to, you definitely want to put as much value into the experience as possible. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, especially for a game like Halo, y you want people not just to play it on the weekend and then forget about it. Like this, this wants to be something, we want to make an impact on people's lives. We want people to stay in our universe, want to keep coming back, keep playing it with their friends. Um, and so a lot of thought goes into that. But I think it's, I think it's totally natural for people to, to look at the the big dogs and, and want to kind yeah. of take them down. That's just, yeah. I mean, I, I'm that way. I'm, I'm like always thinking, it's ironic for the dude that works on Halo, but I'm always thinking of the underdog, right? Like that's the person I root for. If you tell me if I'm watching a fight or something, you know, uh, or, or a sports event, and you tell me that one team is supposed to, to win, I'm going to root for the person who's not supposed to win. Right. And I think that there's a lot of that that goes into the indie scene. It's, sure. it's inspiring to see people chase their dreams, realize a vision without all of the support of of, you know, a massive corporation or, or a massive team. It's like the indie bands, right? Yeah. Which uh, eventually just became the mainstream bands. It just became the the music that we all listen to. And I think the, the digital distribution was a big uh, sort of... Uh, 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 it sort of created the bottom line. The threshold didn't, wasn't so difficult. I think that's happening with video games as well, right? I mean, you can get this, this content so much easier now so that little indies are saturated there's yeah, tons of them out there absolutely I, I also think it's it's for a creative person it takes a specific mindset and a specific approach to be able to express yourself in a large team right yeah. like you can't just kind of walk in there and be like okay it's like this it's like this it's like this like it's it's not a singular yeah. vision that that guides and shapes every micro decision it can't be otherwise you just have you know, an army of drones that are sitting there on a production line, like robots creating totally. stuff. That just doesn't work. And that's, so an, that's an interesting point, too, because I think with the advent of so much independence now and so many developers out there who have gone like you know, cowboys, you know, right, they're doing their own thing. I mean, I, I, I do feel like maybe it will be hard for them if they ever have to work on a big team again, because there is so much compromise. There is so much, you know, working together. There is a meeting you know, of the minds literally every day. And Which is that, incredible. That That's an incredible part of these huge games sure. and why I never want them to disappear. Why I always want, you know, not just sequels. I mean, I really, what I really want to see is a lot more Dishonored and stuff. I'm sure sequels yeah. fan are fantastic and yeah. they totally fit into that scheme too. But I don't want what we deem AAA or what we deem as these large team games to disappear because that collaboration leads to unbelievable innovation. You know? Totally agree. I, I think you know the the best ideas come from all places. And um, when you know, using the example from Halo Four, you you take a, a new enemy like the Prometheans, and you've got ideas that are coming from art, from design, from narrative, from uh, engineering. You know, and you're going through you know iteration loops through all of that and getting feedback on like, okay, how can we tweak the way it's looking? How can we tweak the way that we're animating it, bringing it to life? How do we tweak the, the audio so that we're breathing that life into it. And you're going through loop after loop after loop of changing and tweaking and modulating based on input and feedback from all of these different people. And that leads you to, you know, a certain level of greatness that I don't think that you could achieve 
with one single person. And we're right. playing the game right now. Yeah. We haven't reviewed the game, so we can't obviously can't go on the record and say anything official. But I do feel that as I'm playing through the game. Yeah. I feel like every... And this, that's what I like to feel when I'm playing a game, especially a AAA game, is every... A, a series of decisions were made here and a series of very intelligent decisions were made here. And I know that when I walk into a new room and I see where the enemies are and I see the environment around me, everything feels considered. And I feel like you guys, every step of the way in this game so far, and I'm tipping my hand a little bit here, every step of the way, you guys are trying to make moment to moment the best moment you can. Yeah. And there's nothing slack about it so far. Well, I haven't found that. Yeah, and I also well, think that you. it's a real uh, genius play to keep the game feeling very similar to what we've felt before in the Halo universe. It doesn't feel so divergent that and, and uh, completely different from uh, previous experiences that it's it, you know, a totally new thing, but you guys are also introducing all kinds of incredibly new stuff into this thing as well. So it's a, it's the best of both worlds, you know, and uh, for it feels a, comfortable and foreign exactly. at the same time. Yeah, exactly. In a good way, in the best way possible. And for a, a new studio to take the reins and be able to do that, that's that's really yeah, impressive even stuff. Even the cutscenes, even the the acting performances, even you know, even yeah. the different scientists who pop up on the screen every night, like everybody seems to be working their asses off, acting their asses off, yeah. writing their asses off, yep. hustling. Yep. Everybody's hustling every step of the way. It's tight. It um, is tight. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. And it's super fun and it's so, it's Halo, you know? It's like cool. you guys aren't trying to be Call of Duty. You're not trying to be, right. you're not trying to be another shooter and compete at, it at their level. You're saying, fuck you, we're Halo. We're still Halo. Revel in this. Something. Yeah. And, and that's, I that, mean, is that, that how was, you guys felt? Yeah, that, that was really important to us. We wanted to, to stay true to our identity as Halo, but yeah. then also be open to bringing new ideas to bear and, and looking you know, at, at things that would work in Halo that, um, that may never have, have appeared in the games before open to considering those and and i think it took a while to to kind of as a team gel and and open ourselves to those ideas because um there were different times early on where you had kind of camps of people that would be either we can't change anything right like yeah. everything's got to be exactly the way it was right uh or we got to change everything mm -hmm. and neither one of those paths w would have been right um, so I'm really happy with the, the, the balance that we, that we struck. And I think we really achieved the vision that we set for ourselves three years ago, but yeah. And I think an what you guys journey. have also set up now too, is this idea that now you have control, you're creating your new trilogy. Yep. You can go wherever you want to go. Now you can make this, whatever you want to make it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. We're going to the cheeseburger planet next. Yeah. So. <laughs> like we can do anything. Like yeah. now we can just shape whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing about this game so far is I can't believe how much I care about these people. And I didn't even really realize it. And at first I was kind of fussy. Um, here's the Master Chief again. He sounds a little weird. He doesn't sound the way I remember him sounding. Maybe they got a new voice actor. And then all that shit goes away. Yeah. And I'm just in it. And I'm like, I hope Cortana is okay. And I hope Chief is okay. And there's all kinds of shit going down. And I'm, my heart's really there in a way that I, I didn't expect. And I find myself rooting for Halo, maybe just in the face of, the, again, for the underdog. Because Halo, I mean, let's be honest, it's a little bit of an underdog at this point compared to the modern warfare and the Call of Duties of the world, yeah. the Black Ops and all that stuff. Yeah. And so I think that there are, there's a big contingent of gamers out there who are going to find this really refreshing. And it's going to be a different gear for everybody. And it's a gear we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I think we're ready to get back into it. Totally, because we both enjoyed ODST and, and Halo Reach. But uh, I don't know, this one feels 
feels it feels like a reboot yeah. in a way. It yeah. does feel like a reboot. Also, it looks amazing. The 360 too. is re- like you guys. This is as far as the 360 can go because I, I can't <laughs> be- like I honestly I can't I, I can't imagine any game looking better than this. And, and I mean, it's almost photo real at times. Yeah. as I'm playing through this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's just compliments to both our our art team and our our dev team. Like they they manage together through technical wizardry and amazing artistry to achieve that look. And, you know, it kind of starts with with the concept team. We have uh, such heavy hitters on our concept team, like, um, you know, led by Sparth, Nicholas Bouvier. I remember the first day that I got to, to 343 and, and someone mentioned that Sparth was on the team. And I'd been kind was of that, like... Was that his gamer tag? That, that's or? His, no, Sparth is is the name that he goes under uh, as a concept artist. Like okay. A lot of the concept artists will have kind of their name in the in the CG community. Nice. Um, and... Uh, and I was totally intimidated to meet him just because I'd been like fetishizing his his artwork online and and in his uh, in his book for for years. And he's the most unassuming, you know, uh, sweetest person you'll ever meet. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just have these amazing concept artists that dream up incredible locations and moments and just bring the ideas that the team has to, to life. Did you, um, did you guys bring Bungie, uh, you know, engine and, and all of the stuff that was sort of built up for previous Halo games to 343 or did you start from scratch? And No, we, we started with the, the foundation and kernel of the Halo engine yeah. and that's the same engine that if you go back to, you know, Halo 1, Halo, Halo one, 2, sure. Halo 3, every every game has carried forward that kernel which is part of what, what gives you the, the feel, the moment to moment feel of of you know move shoot um within halo and we really wanted to to carry that forward even with all the changes that we were making yeah um but there were just massive investments that went into overhauling like new lighting uh yeah because even between reach and and halo 4 there is just a absolute it's like yeah. It's like uh, you're getting clean glasses on. And Halo Reach was not a bad-looking game, but no. this is... No, it was beautiful. This is uh, another this, level. This is pre-next-gen. Yeah. Yeah, next-next, pre-next-next-gen. <laughs> Did Bungie people come with the franchise? So we, we had a couple people come from, from Bungie, but, you know, really small, uh, small group. We had... They uh, gave them swirlies the first day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah gave them underwear. little Microsoft cups that, that they can keep at their desks. Um, <laughs> no, it's, like we had Frank O'Connor, uh, probably the most prominent. I know Frank. He's an yeah. awesome dude. So yeah. he was just, you know, pivotal in coming across and, and bringing the wealth of knowledge in his head about the universe. Yeah. So, and a couple other guys that worked on on, uh, on the game over there? Yeah, yeah, we've got a, a handful, I'd say, of, of people who have worked at, at Bungie on How's on the relationship titles. now? I mean, I, when we played Reach and we reviewed it, we could feel the emotional uh, sort of release of that game, and we could feel that there was, because it was an emotional game. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't about Master Chief, but there was a lot of stuff that went down in that thing that, that were, was sad, and you could almost feel the developers sort of saying, well, take my baby, here here you go. <laughs> I mean, how is it now? Do you guys still have uh, back and forth this guy? You're using some of their tech, and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have uh, lots of friends between the two studios. We're very, like, close geographically. Yeah. Like, we're, like, 10 minutes away from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and the development community in Seattle is one of the things I, I've loved moving down there. It's very, very tight, yeah. um, much more so than Vancouver ever was. I think for, for whatever reason, when you go back to the, the roots of the, the Vancouver game development community, it kind of started with 
Radical and, and EA both saying, you know, we're going to work on competing stuff, so don't ever talk about anything that you're working on. Right. So it's very, very secretive and not a lot of knowledge share. Which is bullshit. Which is total bullshit. It's, yeah. it's bullshit because when I go to San Francisco or Los Angeles or Seattle, and I've done this for years with EP, I, I notice that tightness with the with the uh, developers and they're all going out for dinner and they're sh- and they're not making an event out of getting together. They're yeah. just getting together. Yeah, they're getting together. They're not going to share source code or say, hey, this is the new feature that's top secret that we're working on. But, yeah. you know, it doesn't stop them from from having uh, a relationship and a camaraderie and, and talking about some of the techniques, at least in a general sense, that they're using. Right. Um, do so, you think yeah, that has something to do with IP? Do you think that has something to do with... I think it's Canadians, maybe. No, no, well, I think out of Vancouver, and I'm, I'm trying to put this together because I have a lot of friends here that work yeah. in games, and, and everybody's asking me about the Vancouver scene. And, you know, our, our programming is, is seen in a lot of different places. And obviously, this is my home, and I want it to do very well, but I can't, like, favor it, yeah. you know, favor Vancouver over every other city out there because great stuff is coming out of all kinds of cities all across this country and across the U.S., all over the world. Uh, but I have a feeling that a large part of what's happening with all of our talent being drained out of Vancouver is there wasn't enough, you know, unique property created here and, and shipped out in the world. And I think out of Seattle, you've got tons of games that were born there, you yeah, know? Yeah, de- I definitely agree. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, again, the roots of Vancouver's game industry came from service you know annualized sports development which is great for teaching you how to think quickly on your feet you know make quick decisions bring a a level of technical excellence to at least you know a a good number of different problems that you're solving um and then you know racing i think we did a we did some fantastic work here but but it's really limited in terms of the different genres that have been tackled in the vancouver dev scene yeah and then like you said you know new ip development has been really really hard to do here and that was one of the things for me at at ea um bully was the most exciting bully unique concept out of Vancouver. It was wholly born in yeah, Vancouver. I yeah. guess and and uh, um, the new um, UFG game as well is pretty damn sweet as well. Sleeping Dogs. Yeah. yeah. Amazing game. Uh, I, so I haven't had a chance to, to play through it. I've got a bunch of friends that worked on that title and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really disappointed with the way that it's sold. You know, yeah. from everything that I've heard, um, it's it's a fantastic story, great world to an incredible explore. game so much yeah, fun where are the gamers where what are they doing with their 60 dollars what They're are they buying doing? 61 dollar games i think you know I, 60 I, I, 61 dollar <laughs> games yeah, <laughs> 61 six, 61 dollar shit games i know and they're on when twitter and facebook and a 40 hour experience I, I, that's so rich totally and I, is this in in your head now as you're thinking about how you how you shape halo 4 and not only are you competing against the legacy and the other shooter competition that's out there, but the you know the uh, the sort of downturn in, in sort of consumer spending that's happening in, in video games, this anticipation for the new machines, is all of that at play, or do you just think I got to make a kick-ass game that I'm going to be proud of? I, mean, I really just think I got to make a kick-ass game that I got to be proud of. Yeah. Um, those are things that when I'm not focusing on sort of the job at hand definitely are things that I'm considering and thinking about and wondering, okay, where's, where's the industry going? Um, you know, uh, I think every time you go through uh, a platform cycle and, and, you know, everybody speculates that we're, we're coming up to, you've got, Wii U just came out, but everybody's speculating that we're coming to, you know, the, the next platform cycle. And, and I think every time that, that, those cycles take place, there, there's kind of a lull and then a, a, a great new beginning um, as people kind of 
find different ways of expressing themselves. I don't think you'll ever see, even with the rise of, of social, casual, mobile, um, you know, quick little bite-sized games, I don't, I hope you'll never see uh, kind of big, immersive, invested gaming um, go away. Fully go away. Fully go away. It will yeah. shrink, though, it feels like, doesn't it? Well, it's, Sleeping Dogs hasn't sold well. Darksiders 2, I think, hasn't, hasn't sold, sold very well. well. We haven't had a lot of AAA games this year. And I, that's again, that's my question that, that nobody can answer is what are, they, what are the gamers doing? What are they spending their money on? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it worries my, me. My thought is that Those they're on, on Facebook and, and Twitter, not just, yeah. not just gaming but spending time on these maybe things. Maybe they met girls. Maybe, maybe the gamers. Dates. Maybe uh, maybe the girls are playing games and they don't want to hang out with the guys. Maybe oh. they're porking. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second week in a row where we've had a game developer on the show uh, who is ripped. Like uh, you're wearing a shirt, obviously, but you <laughs> clearly work out, my friend. I think he's wow. making a pass at you. No, God. this is not a pass. Yeah, I, yeah, just, I think it is. This is awesome. Uh, listen, this took a weird turn. Right? Of, I'm right saying, here, man. If you take care of yourself. <laughs> you should be admired. I'm uh, right here. My question is, uh, like, obviously, is this is this an uh, an outlet for you? A way to get rid of some stress? Is the workout? Have you out? always been this way? <laughs> Well, could you be yeah. Brian Provinciano? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could I be Brian? I don't do you, know. Do you know Brian? I I only know him by by name, yeah. so and and reputation, but I've never yeah. actually met him. He's ripped. So. Is he really? Yeah. Okay, I oh didn't know God. that about him. Yeah, he's ripped, and he he makes a game that he ports to eleven systems yeah, by, himself. by himself. Yes, yeah. I knew, I know that. He's still ripped. <laughs> he's probably porking right now too. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think of what do you think of a guy like like Brian Provinciano working on Retro City yeah, he's Rampage? The opposite of you. Yeah. I know. I, I think I think it's amazing. I mean, I, I have a bunch of of friends across the industry like Brian that that are kind of he's kind of bizarro Josh, yep. isn't he? He's bizarro Josh. He's as pale like Bizarro as well. Yes, he speaks in a forward sentence though. He puts all the words together he wasn't properly. Well, he last week <laughs> he, he just killed himself. One man to make a fucking game. He's, do you he's think busy. that's crazy? What are you doing th the one man show? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's it's inspiring and it's a little terrifying as well. Yeah, to, yeah. To game think you want to make by yourself? By myself? Yeah, I don't think I have. Ideas. I don't think I've got the skills to make a game that anybody wants to play by myself yeah. because I can't program worth shit. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of important. I I can do you know basic scripting and that's about it. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I mean more power to to guys like Brian that that have the skills to design and and code and does he do the the artwork himself. He did the it's art, and then he, he he got another guy in to help him with uh, a lot of stuff as well. Because he's a whack job. That's awesome. My, yeah. I have another friend, uh, Owen Goss, who I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he did uh, the latest thing he did was finger was it finger tied. Um, that's on iPad. Yeah. But he's been basically he was one of the first guys that moved over to iOS and just became the one man development show and struggled. I think he got he got a lot of pickup because he did a blog on like what the development life of an iOS developer was and he showed like how much revenue you really make you yeah. know and he's like made like $65 or something in the first two <laughs> weeks when he released his first game um, but he's actually seeing success with his latest I think it's like number six in the that's no, awesome. We're just uh, coming off Halloween week, and I know here in Vancouver, as you know probably, uh, Halloween is always a big holiday for developers. They go full out. I, I have a buddy who works at Relic. He was, he was sending me photos of some of the costumes. 
What did you guys do at 343? Did you have any celebrations? We did. We had a Halloween party, and we did uh, like a, a live stream of Halo 4 gameplay. Uh, That's awesome. That was, that was cool. I, but we didn't have as much participation in the costumes, to be honest, as, as we usually do. And I think that's just because we have a bunch of people that are off, a bunch of people that are exhausted, and a bunch of people that are still working. Totally. So. Well, they're still working because you guys have a weekly uh, content update yeah, with uh, Spartan Whose idea Ops. was this? That's fucking crazy. It's like so much work to be able to do yeah, that. It's yeah, like it's you create an work. MMO for yourself here all of a sudden. Well, don't go, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an MMO, but, but it is a lot of content. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a commitment to keep telling an evolving story and something that we got really excited about, like just looking at, we were talking about a second ago, people having different outlets for their entertainment time, you know, yeah. where they spend time yeah. um, focusing on entertainment. And so serialized television being something that I think a lot of people find themselves, whether they're watching it through cable, watching it on Netflix, you, you know, there's just a, a real investment in the shows that you love and, and the ability then to talk to people about, oh, did you see the latest episode of Breaking Bad? Oh, where are you in the season? And uh, that's we, so true. Even when a show is bad, people will stick with it because they've invested so much totally. already. Yeah. I mean, look at Lost. Like yeah. even when it went bad, people they had like, a terrible season. Oh, I'm still dude. in it. Yeah. I checked yeah. out in season three. Yeah, I think it's the beginning of season, season three, and yeah. I was like, "That's it." When they I'm just out. started introducing background players, and they're like the main part of this. Like, who is this person? <laughs> I think Wait, I've never it, even seen this person. I'm pretty sure it was season three. It <laughs> yeah. was season three, and the first like four episodes, nothing happened. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Is... But it took four episodes. It took four more hours of your life before you're like fucking. I'm out. And so Spartan Ops will not activate like that, though. No, yes. no. Yeah, there will be something happening in every episode. There's something happening in every episode. You have a new episode every week that's telling a story that's uh, a CG series that runs maybe four to six minutes per episode, and yeah. then you've got five missions that tie into the story. Wow. Um, that's so, so hopefully, What do you, you pay know, for that? Do you pay extra? free, man. It's all part of it. Yeah. So is it is it a, a kind of like, um, you know, sort of testing the market or business development for Microsoft? Is that, you know, potentially pointing uh, at a, you know, a possible direction for the company, the way that it delivers games down the road? Maybe I, on the Durango, the next Xbox think, system that you're going to tell think, us all about? I think for, for us, um, you know, it's, it's an experiment in how we tell stories and how we deliver content in yeah. the Halo universe. And will people, will people be willing to invest in this and will it be something that brings them back each week? Um, and you know, we, we did, we knew that, that it was, it was an experiment and, and we want to see how people react to it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy that we've been able to do it because there were times when we were considering, oh, you know, maybe this is too much to bite off with our first title. And maybe this is something we, we saved for down the road. Um, so you really didn't do that with this game. No. And almost every game that gets made, it's especially at this size, you end up doing that, right? I'm well, sure you did a, that for Turo. There's always stuff that that hits the cutting room floor. Absolutely, yeah. you can't you can't do everything. But we tried to be very ambitious with this game. We we took a lot on, which I think critics are responding to in a big way. You know, because tell me about how you break down your team. Is it uh, the whole team works on the campaign, or do you have like a campaign team? Do you have a multiplayer team? You have a forge team? You have a spec ops? Like, how do you break it down? So all of these different sort of, you know, points on your star are being sort of taken care of. Yeah, well, I mean, without getting into kind of too, too low level of a detail so I don't bore you and, and your audience, <laughs> um, I mean, we have basically big features around which we, we have cross-disciplinary units. So stuff like 
campaign. You know, you've got campaign as a team and a bunch of mission teams within that. You've got Spartan Ops as a team. You've got War Games and multiplayer as a team. Um, and then within each of those, you have sub-features like Forge as part of the multiplayer team. Um, and then you've got things like Sandbox, which is weapons, vehicles, uh, armor abilities, armor mods, all the things that cross all of that experience, um, you know, AI and, and enemies, those things are, we call them kind of foundational teams that cut, cut across the entire experience. They're the tech. They're, they're, but they're creative as well, yeah. right? Because you've got, you've got the entire experience of what it means to fire a weapon. What, is, what are the new weapons that you're bringing? So all of that stuff, those are kind of the foundation around which the, the game is built. So that's how we organize. My, my only question is why, when I shoot at the guys that are kind of like robot Butterflies? Do they always fly away and hide behind a pillar? <laughs> because man, the, I got tired. Because the they're pillars annoying. cover. Yeah, the pillars cover. <laughs> as soon as I hit them once, they're like, "I'm out of here!" I know. <laughs> just turn and flutter. And they're like away. bit from Tron. Yeah, they just totally disappear. Yeah, but that's the thing, though. Even yeah. even the it's just a kind of small part of the experience. Yeah. These things have personality. Yeah, they pop. They come to life. And oh, they, I love even the, the new way ones. that they react and they run away like that. And you just see them flee. They're I like, love the I new guys. Hit. They're awesome, here. and I love the light rifle. I think that's my new favorite weapon in the game. Nice. What's your favorite? My my favorite weapon in the game, like base weapon, or yeah. so I will still either take the uh, the DMR or the BR, like in multiplayer, if I'm yeah. gonna do my loadout. Um, I've tried to use the light rifle as my base weapon. I, I just have a hard time switching between the two firing modes and, and really being effective when I'm playing against other players. Yeah. I love the gun. Like I love using it in campaign, but just, when I'm in multiplayer. It sounds cool. Oh, That's the thing amazing. about this game. I almost tweeted this last night, but I don't want to, I, I want to save a lot of stuff for the, for the show. I guess we're saying it right now, but the audio in this game is fucking incredible. Oh. It's so damn good. Like That's Tajin and his team. The music is, is great and it's, it's different. It's not Marty this time, right? You guys No, want? yeah, it's Neil Davidge. I don't, I don't know if you know Neil from a lot Massive of, Attack. A but. women moaning. It's good, though. I love the music, but the audio, the sound effects are incredible. They're so clean. It's so cinematic and so robust. Lots of we gotta women get him moaning. In the studio. Yeah, he's pretty good, right? Thank you. Do you have a song <laughs> for Josh? Do you, have, is, do you have a Josh this song? This is the Halo 4 theme song. <laughs> no, I had a quick question for you. Now, when it comes to Halo multiplayer, yeah. I suck. I get killed all the time. All right, can you we hold your own? play together. No, yeah, I'll, I'll just get destroyed. So I can I can hold my own at 343, I'd say I'm in the Mid level to slightly bottom mid level. Pretty good ones there. There's some mm -hmm. really good, good players, players yeah. but there are some players that just destroy, yeah. you know, in the community. I so. took a Halo lesson once years ago for a story I wrote, and uh, I, the guy was like a ghost. I never saw him. I just was. Pff, yeah, over and over. <laughs> it is a different. Where the fuck are these it's guys? It's a different multiplayer. It's a different vibe. It's a totally different thing. Like playing this game than other shooters. You know, just pressing on the right stick. You can, you know, sort of customize your controller any way that yeah. you want to, pretty much. But the default jumping in core Halo shooting experience feels different than the other shooters out there. And playing yeah. the game, it's like you're transported to a different time in, in sort of game history. It takes you right back to Halo 1 when you just, you, it's that same kind of buttery connection. You know, it's so true. Like, this could have easily been, I could see the headlines, like, 
Halo of Duty or, you know, yes. Halo 4, Black Ops 9. Or, like, I could see the people saying, like, look, they just took this shit that's popular and just copied it. Yeah. But you guys didn't do that. Yeah. You guys didn't do that. And I think it's really bold. And congrats on uh, Forward Unto Dawn. We had uh, EP uh, crews on the set a lot. And yep. we were doing all kinds of stories and, and coverage of it. And the thing's a smash success. It's, it's kicking ass. It's yep. a great... It turned out amazing. Series, yeah. yeah, and and I think the the fifth episode goes live tonight at like midnight. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So like, it, it really lots of skepticism around lots. this whole project, all yeah. of it, all facets of it, and you guys have over delivered. I'm rooting for it, man. Like, yeah. I feel myself sitting down to play this. I'm like, come on, fucking Halo, bring it. it I mean. I, how did you over deliver it? How did you guys sort of all band together to make sure that this? Answer that. Well, I, I mean, mean, he's big part of the he's awesome. the creative just, director. It is it is a big question. Um, I think when we all joined, we knew that this was going to be either you know a, an amazing triumph or a colossal clusterfuck <laughs> of a failure, um, and we were just determined not to let it become the latter. You know, like it it was just fight every step of the way to make this the best game it can possibly be, and and always put ego aside i think bringing together the team that we did we have people who have incredible talent from across the industry people with you know decades of experience and and all have different ways of working because they come from different studios and that that's one thing in in games that i think is very different from a lot of other um you know a lot of other entertainment specifically film is you don't really have one way of doing anything there's not an accepted process right, of right. this is how we build games every fucking studio is different that's and what so makes it so exciting it, it makes it really exciting but it makes it really hard when you get all those people together and say like let's make a game together and it's like well we do it this way well no we do it this way and yeah. so you have to kind of figure out how you're going to do it um but everybody came together without any ego despite all of their experience and that made it i think possible for us to 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 get this game done to to the degree that it that we did i know we can't we can't keep josh forever no i know but i have one more question okay and it, you know obviously the whole thing the entirety is your baby and all of the offshoot media that's coming out of this thing yeah. and, and the, the the sort of propulsion that you guys have now for future halo iterations uh all exciting for you for sure i know that but i i i want to know from you just so that players when they pick up the game and they start playing through it You've watched play testers. You've watched your team play through it. You've played it 7,000 times yourself. Yep. Is there a moment in the game where you go, we did this, we did it, we succeeded, we achieved what we wanted to do? So there are many of those moments. There's one part of the game. So I love all of the game. I have to love yep. all the game. And there's parts of, of me and parts of everyone in, in uh, all parts of the game. But there's one part of the game that uh, is a really personally relevant part of the game which is uh cortana's story through the campaign and the reason is when uh, i've never really spoken about i spoke about this i think one time um when we started working on it uh you know cortana's got this situation where she's going rampant as an ai and rampancy is kind of her degrading and kind of going through the equivalent of human dementia and when i started working on the game my mom was actually uh diagnosed with dementia. And so over the course of this project, I've watched my mom deteriorate into someone I don't even really know anymore and can't relate to in any way. And that, for me personally, I never spoke to the team of this, but that shaped a lot of how that story 
had meaning to me and, and why that story was really important to me to want to tell um, and make sure that it never got eclipsed by all the action in the game um, to find those little moments between Chief and Cortana, you know, to let that come through. So that, I think, is probably the part of the game that I'm most proud of and, and uh, means the most to me, although I love all of it and I will probably spend the bulk of my time, having played campaign already a thousand times, <laughs> I'll, I'll spend the bulk of my time in multiplayer, but that will always be a, a really personal part of the game for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm stunned. Yeah. I was. I had some jokes to make, but I will no longer. There are no <laughs> jokes after that. The jokes are it's starting to get all heavy no, on you guys. That's, uh, at all. Yeah. that's life. That's the real stuff. That is the real stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, it has been incredible yeah. to a have you here. Force. Absolutely, really man. Awesome. Thank you so much, and 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 please, on behalf of us, go back and and hug your entire team and and uh, take we'll some do. good Let's time go. off. Let's go. Let's go down and visit. I know. I, we haven't been to Seattle in a while. Come down with the packs like three years ago. I know. Let's absolutely come down. When are you guys going to be announcing? anything about new stuff is that no. is that a next uh, year they're just, they're, they're just getting this one out the door yeah, yeah. we're we're literally still working on this one yeah so. okay let it let us come up for a breath yeah but you're welcome to come down and tell me i'm ripped anytime <laughs> yeah i'll be there on monday morning <laughs> he'll just he, you're ripped. He, he's the muscle inspector he will go through your company <laughs> and see how everybody's guns are he'll get the measuring <laughs> tape out see who's, who's is bigger who's got the biggest one <laughs> that's awesome all right buddy with the we call it Vic's basement. We don't call it uh, Scott's baths. Which Maybe is you should yeah, we'll consider a change. Yeah. Scott's Turkish baths. Scott's <laughs> Turkish baths. Freaky creepy. Yeah. Josh, thanks right. for visiting, brother. Thanks, guys. Sound right. of a handshake. The, the ending is always awkward. It so is let's, always let's weird. Just, let's be quiet. Let it be awkward for a minute. It's still awkward. <laughs> <laughs>